0: Hey, what's up and welcome to the Game Positive Podcast, Episode 12. Chance is back again and we're here to talk about the Outriders. Demo as well as a lot of other news in the Xbox ecosystem. Before we get into that, though, I did have a little bit of housekeeping I wanted to get through. Uh, for starters, I started my own Extra Life campaign uh, to help raise money for my local Children's Miracle Make-A-Wish Hospital. Uh, there's going to be some details in how you can contribute to that if you'd like in the show notes, as well as I've tweeted out on Twitter and I've made a video talking a little bit more about it on my YouTube channel. So feel free to check that out uh, along with. The Extra Life campaign. I'm also going to be streaming more regularly on Twitch in an effort to help fundraise for uh, that hospital as well. The schedule, the loose schedule that I've come up with, is uh, going to be Tuesday night's Halo MCC streams to try to get ready as much as I can anyway for Halo Infinite. Try to get some of my old sweat back in that game, uh, as well as a Saturday night kind of variety stream. Still undecided what I'm going to be streaming this Saturday, but uh, I'm hoping to make it a different game every Saturday. So if you have any suggestions, Uh, Feel free to let me know on Twitter or on YouTube or anything like that. Uh, I believe, Chance, you also have a Twitch channel. That If you want to shout that out, go right ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for having me again. My uh, Twitch is uh, uh, twitch.tv, iHalfKing, and I pretty much just play Apex for the most part. Switch it up once in a while, but yeah.
0: Cool. Speaking of uh, playing Apex, uh, let's start the show off by going over what we are playing. So I'll let you uh, take the, the reins there first, Chance. Go ahead.
1: All right, well, yeah, as per usual, I'm always playing Apex. I'll never not be playing Apex. Um, I've actually been playing a lot of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for Switch. My uh, roommate has a Switch, so I've been playing a lot of that. Nice. That game is pretty awesome, uh, for sure. And uh, I don't know if uh, how many people are like me, but uh, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. And uh, with the new movie coming out, I wanted to go back to the old games, so I've been playing a lot of uh, Godzilla Save the Earth, which is definitely the best Godzilla game. And it came out in 2004, surprisingly enough. There's one in like 2014 for PlayStation, but based on the reviews I've seen, it's, <laughs> it's not the greatest. So if you ever want to play a Godzilla game, <laughs> and uh, definitely play Godzilla Save the Earth. But it, yeah, that's what I've been playing.
0: Is that for original Xbox or 360? I don't think I've ever played that.
1: It's for original Xbox, and it's kind of like a brawler with, like, okay. like a dozen and a half different Godzilla monsters, and it's 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 surprisingly technical for what you'd expect from a Godzilla game, but it's it's really well done for one it was created ahead of its time, in my opinion.
0: Is it compatible on 360, or are you literally playing on an OG Xbox?
1: It is compatible with 360. Um, that's what I'm playing it on. That's why I... Uh, I oh, okay. messaged you the other day looking for a 360 yeah. controller, and I ended up ordering one.
0: But, oh, uh, nice! Yeah, so
1: I, I feel like recommend
0: I. That. Oh yeah, I feel like I heard of a Godzilla game called War of the Monsters. Uh, for some reason, that sounds familiar. I don't know if I heard of that one, but I'll definitely. I wonder if is it like available for sale like digitally, like one like, like on 360. I know sometimes you can buy, or do you have um, the disc?
1: I have the disc version, but okay. I'm not sure if it's available for 360 on its marketplace or yeah. whatnot. Um, you'd probably have to maybe go on like GG or something to find mm. this. I don't know, but uh, I've always had mine. So it's
0: worth right. It. Yeah. Those are sometimes pretty rare. I mean, I don't know much about that game, but I know games that are like licensed, uh, they often will go out of print because like the license for the game has was only for a certain amount of time. Uh, like I know like before Marvel Spider-Man, for example, like Activision made a bunch of Spider-Man games Uh, That was, like, multi-platform, and they also made, like, uh, not Activision specifically, but they made, like, a Captain America game, and, like, an Iron Man game, and a Hulk game, and all those games, because the license uh, agreement's over, they were removed from digital sales, and uh, they removed from store shelves, obviously, because they're older, so if you go on, like, Amazon or eBay and try to find, like, a copy of, like, Captain America for Xbox 360, it's, like, a 100 bucks, just pretty crazy, because those games aren't, like, necessarily the best games ever, but, uh yeah, it, it, keep that Godzilla game because that falls in the same boat with the with that licensing stuff. Uh, as far as what I'm playing, uh, I'm actually I'm starting to wind down a little bit, but I went through another World of Warcraft addiction phase. Uh, I was playing with my buddy from work, uh, Shadowlands, and just trying to grind through the PvP ranks in that game as well as get through the raid and playing uh, Halo MCC competitively on Tuesdays. Uh, first stream for Extra Life was actually last Tuesday, so I'm looking to do that every Tuesday. Um, would be awesome, honestly, to play customs uh, with people in the community or just anyone, really. Uh, I'm gonna potentially go on like Halo Waypoint and try to like round up some some players as well. Cause solo queue isn't uh, it's really fun. Don't get me wrong, because it's still Halo, but sometimes you can get into some really lopsided games, which is not uh, not as fun. Uh, also, I've been playing Diablo on Xbox. I wanted to. Uh, to play through that game with a controller to see how that plays because I have a feeling, we'll talk about it more in the news, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be playing more Diablo on my Xbox eventually, potentially, and also uh, I, as of last night I've been playing the Outriders demo which we'll talk about a lot more in today's main topic. So, moving on from that, let's start uh, with the news like we usually do. First up, there is a slew of new titles heading to Game Pass in February. Uh, some really good ones, actually. We'll go through those here. I don't know if you've played any of these chants, but uh, there's Elite Dangerous, which is a kind of... Uh, space sim game Uh, there is combat involved but it's more about just living in this massive world the world in that game is actually uh if i'm correct if i remember correctly it's actually one-to-one in terms of the the size of the game world versus our actual uh milky way galaxy which is insane obviously a lot of it's procedurally generated but it does literally take forever to fly anywhere in that game uh and it's all based around either Like being a trader, being a miner, being like a pirate and and attacking other players and stealing their shit and stuff like that. I never really got into it, but uh, it does have a really kind of dedicated community. And it's something that I definitely will check out when it uh, arrives on Game Pass. Uh, Next up, we have Killer Queen Black, which is a former arcade game, actually. It was a very popular arcade game. Um, Recent arcade game, actually. It's not common that you see new arcade games show up, but this one... Originated as arcades, I think, in the early 2010s. Um, Very rare to find one, but they just ate, like, all the quarters. It's essentially like a multiplayer uh, kind of battler game where you either play as a queen bee. uh, There's one queen bee on each team. Uh, and then you, the rest of the players on your team are workers, and you can either morph into a battle bee and try to kill the workers or try to gain resources as a worker. And whatever team gets the most resources at the end of the game or end of the round wins the round, uh, or whichever team kills the other player's queen. It sounds a- really confusing when I'm saying it out loud, but I definitely recommend checking it out or at least watching a trailer. It's really, really good. Uh, next up, there is Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire Ultimate Edition. Uh, this is the sequel to the original Pillars of the of Eternity. Uh, it is a CRPG, like a top-down isometric um, RPG. It's a lot more like uh, like Dungeons and Dragons than uh, like an action RPG, like Oblivion. So there's a lot of role playing involved. Uh, it is a very long game, uh, but this one is actually fully voice acted, unlike the original Pillars of Eternity. And if you remember from the Xbox uh, Xbox Series X game showcase in uh, the summer of last year, they showed a which looked a lot like uh, like an Oblivion or a Skyrim uh, that's coming from Obsidian, exclusive to Xbox. That game is actually based in the same world as this game of Pillars of Eternity One and Two, so that might be a good place to start. In the original Pillars of Eternity is also already on Game Pass, so you can check that out. Uh, Wreckfest, I haven't really played m- this game at all, but I do know that it's mo- it's like a kind of a destruction derby um style like combat racer almost but i honestly haven't uh haven't seen much or played much of this game it's definitely something i'll be checking out as i check out pretty much everything that comes to game pass um dirt 5 is also coming which is a rally racing game that actually has a full like story campaign with like troy baker as a voice actor which is pretty cool super hot mind control delete is an expansion to the phenomenal super hot and chance i'll let you talk about the last game because i know this is one that you've played that i haven't really played
1: yeah, so the last game is Code Vein coming to PC. Um, it's a RPG. It's it's based off of the Dark Souls games, and uh, it's. I think I talked about it before in the last uh, the last podcast, but it's uh, it's really well done. It's based off of like it's influenced by anime, I should say, and uh, it's a really nice story to it. Uh, it has nice complex controls and beautiful environments, and. Uh, I definitely recommend playing it for
0: sure yeah because it actually was it's already on game pass for consoles right and now it's this is just it coming yeah. to pc so yeah. yeah so if you have a pc you'll probably get a little bit better performance uh, i'm not sure what the frame rate is on consoles if it's a original xbox kind of dark souls like game i'm assuming it's probably 30 fps so if you do have a a, um, a uh, equivalent pc uh you may be able to get higher frame rates and some better performance and all and achievements which is great uh and that's it for the game pass titles coming in february we are recording this pretty late in february honestly so there's probably another set of games set to be revealed in march along with some other things that we'll talk about in a little bit but next i wanted to talk about a new game that's actually been revived uh that's coming back into the flow and that's six days in fallujah this is a game I actually remember reading about in, like, the original Xbox magazine. I tried to dig through my uh, my storage to try to find the exact magazine, but I still haven't found it yet because I do have, like, a stack of them somewhere. It's essentially a game that's based around the conflict, uh, the recent military conflict that was in uh, the city of Fallujah uh, in, I think it's Iraq. It's it's overseas anyway. It's part of kind of the, the war that, that sparked after 9-11. And uh, it was this, it, they essentially hired like military like uh, soldiers to kind of con- or consult in the direction of the game and it was meant to be like very visceral, very true to life, very graphic and uh, to a lot of people very inappropriate because of how close it was to release with the terror attack that happened on 9/11. So the game was actually fully complete and then uh, shelved before it launched because of those concerns. And now it's being resurrected by uh, Highwire Studios, a studio that is uh, headed by uh, Jamie Grishmer and Mario O'Donnell of Halo fame. So they're going to be reviving this game uh, and bringing it back, which is awesome. And they still have that same accuracy. They have the same uh, military consultants. Uh, So it should be uh, interesting, to say the least. I'm excited just because uh, Highwire is involved, like Mario O'Donnell, I think is the best composer in gaming history. Um, Just listen to any Halo soundtrack and you'll know why. So yeah, it's pretty crazy that this is coming back after being like this was originally canceled. I think in early two thousand. So I think it's over, closing in on ten years or more that uh, that it's been shelved. So it's interesting that it's coming back now.
1: Yeah. So uh, did you want to talk about uh, BlizzCon?
0: Oh yes. So I'm a huge Blizzard fan. I don't think Chance plays a ton of Blizzard games. So I'll take this one over. BlizzCon.
1: before you uh talk just before you get into it i'm just gonna say my piece because it's very short (coughs) and then i'll let you get into it go ahead so all i'm gonna say is that when it comes to uh blizzard games like you said i don't have a lot of experience i did play the overwatch beta um which that was a long time ago and (laughs) i did like it (laughs) but i'll probably play overwatch 2 beta which was one of the games revealed and uh uh, Diablo, Diablo 2 Resurrected, and Diablo 4, um, those are also <laughs> revealed with information. Never, I know Diablo is free to play until Sunday, probably a game I might check out, never got into it, but it looks super interesting, and that is all of my knowledge on Blizzard.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I definitely uh, am a much bigger uh, Blizzard fanboy, I really love all their games, in fact. When it comes to PC, like, my entire PC basically revolves around Blizzard. Um, Any other game I typically play on, Xbox or PlayStation. But, uh, yeah, so they did have BlizzCon, uh, I think it was last week, and there was some pretty awesome reveals. Uh, Like Chance had said, Overwatch 2 had uh, not as big of a presence as I thought uh, it would. It was actually revealed, I believe, at BlizzCon 2019, and kind of has been silent ever since. And they didn't really show anything on the main, like the main showcase. It was all on panels that happened after the kind of opening ceremony. But they did reveal some information. They they showed some of the skill trees, which looked really good. It looked like there's going to be a lot more depth and a lot more RPG-ness, which is like classic Blizzard stuff uh, in the next Overwatch, which is really cool. Uh, they revealed, like Chance had said, Diablo II Resurrected. It's a from the ground up remake of. Uh, Diablo 2 and the Lord of Destruction expansion. It's being made by uh, Vicarious Visions, the people that made uh, the Crash Bandicoot uh, remake, as well as the recent Tony Hawk remake. Both of those are fantastic remakes. So, really excited to see this because Diablo 2 um, is one of like the kind of pinnacle games uh, in the history of gaming. Most A lot of people have played that. It's one of the most popular games from the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, there's a ton of fans centered around that. But the biggest reveal, in my opinion, in regards to Diablo 2 Resurrected, is that it's actually going to be coming to consoles at the same time as it comes to PC. Um, When Diablo 3 came out, it initially launched on PC only, and it took, I think, over a year before it showed up on consoles. So with Diablo 2 launching on consoles, that makes me really hopeful that Diablo 4 will launch on consoles as well, day and date. And then I can play the game on Xbox because it actually controls very well, honestly, with a controller. They redid a lot of the commands and they redid the inventory system so it's a lot easier to navigate with thumbsticks. And it just works really, really well. They also announced uh, the new class, the Rogue is coming to Diablo 4. It looked fantastic. The cutscenes that Blizzard makes are just the best. There's no other company that makes better cutscenes like, pre-rendered cutscenes than Blizzard. They're just, like, beyond anything else. And this one was no exception. The original Diablo 4 cutscene is, like, almost 15 minutes long, I think. And it's just, it's disgustingly good. 100% recommend watching that if you haven't seen it yet uh outside of diablo they also revealed that the burning crusade is coming to wow classic which is something i was hoping for and something i'm very excited to play no release date yet but uh, a lot of rumors are pointing towards spring um i know a lot of listeners probably don't play uh warcraft or play pc games that much in general but wow classic is the best mmo you could play currently and burning crusade uh from a lot of people's perspective, is the best that WoW had ever been. So I missed it originally because I was too busy playing Halo uh, back in 2006, but now is my chance to finally go through that dark portal with everybody at the same time, and I can't wait to do that. They also released uh, information on the 9.1 update for Shadowlands. Lots of good stuff there. Um, I won't get into too much detail, but uh, some of the highlights are the uh, a new area a new raid where you could finally fight uh, sylvanas who's been a pain in everybody's neck for a long time as well as a mega dungeon which is a 10-man dungeon that's only playable on mythic difficulty only which is really really cool and finally they released a new hearthstone exp- expansion uh where they are making a pretty significant change to the game now i had said already that a lot of people here probably don't play blizzard games But uh, Hearthstone's free-to-play on phones and tablets, so it's something that's very accessible even if you don't have a PC. And with this new update, what they're doing is they're introducing a core set where every user is going to have access to a base like core set of 235 cards, and it's going to happen right when the new expansion comes and the meta shifts, so it's the best time ever to get into Hearthstone if you haven't already. Uh, In my opinion, it's the best free-to-play game you could play on a phone, it's the best card game you can play there's a lot of interesting mechanics in a insanely large community 100% recommend checking that out if you've never played uh, and yeah that's kind of a, a quick summary of everything that happened at blizzcon and, yeah,
1: and uh i would definitely be interested in getting into blizzard games i know a <clears throat> lot of people would but uh i just got to find the time it's pretty much where it is so many games out nowadays
0: and a decent computer uh, do you have a gaming computer yeah. i don't know.
1: Um, no, like I have a PC, but it is not fit for gaming. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just say that for now. It needs a lot of repairs and stuff.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, well, Hearthstone's a really awesome gateway drug, honestly. That's Pretty much, like, the the cycle that I go through is, like, something interesting will happen in Hearthstone. It will be free. I'll hop in. I will see all the Warcraft characters and stuff in the cards, and it will just, like, trigger this impulse to play World of Warcraft. And then I resub to World of Warcraft, play it a lot, finally get burned out and want to go to something else. And then eventually Hearthstone will suck me back in because it's free and easy to play. And then the cycle just repeats itself. So best way to start, yeah. I think, is probably Hearthstone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it looks interesting. One of my roommates, who's like a pro player, <coughs> like he's like one of the best in the world for Dota 2. He also plays Hearthstone as well. And uh, Oh, really? Jeez, yeah, I played Dota him. 2.
0: I should play with him. He should teach you how to play. That game runs on a potato. You could probably run he, it.
1: He's been trying to get me to play that game for a while, and I do plan. I, I plan on trying it at some point, probably soon. There's You a... could make a team or i'm not even sure how it works exactly
0: yeah i'll warn you like so there's a guide uh for new players called welcome to dota you suck by purge <laughs> and it's like the best guide to, to read as a new player and i also warn you that you pretty much have to play like 200 games before you go from being like absolutely terrible to being like okay at best and each game is like an hour long so that's like 200 hours so it takes a lot of work to get good at that game it has an extremely high skill cap but it is extremely yeah, I mean, fun. I've probably have over a 1000 hours played in Dota 2.
1: He's explained like some of the like high tier rank strategies that go along with the game and uh, yeah, it definitely take quite a few hours.
0: Yeah, they have a tournament every year called the International and it's the highest uh, prize pool of any esport in the world. It had like the 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 prize pool in the International is bigger than uh, Wimbledon and the PGA Tour combined.
1: Well, that's pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. Yeah, it's pretty um,
0: awesome. Anyways, uh, we'll <laughs> stop talking about PC for the rest of the podcast, I swear. Uh, <laughs> next up in the news is some really, really awesome news for Series X owners. Um, they had talked about this leading up to the console's launch, but it was a feature that uh, got delayed and didn't quite make the launch, but it's here now, at least uh, in a smaller, a small sample size, and that is the uh, backwards-compatible FPS Boost. Um, Now, I know a lot of you that have Series X probably have games that were on the original Xbox One and now they run at higher frame rates on the Series X but that is because the developers of those games up until now actually went in and made changes and pushed the changes and released patches and updates for the console. What FPS Boost is, in this context, is this has nothing to do with the developers, this is all based on a machine learning algorithm that's developed by Microsoft, and Microsoft themselves are actually able to go in and release small small patches to these games without any developers needing to invest any money, time, development, QA, etc., and just raise the performance of games pretty significantly. So the games that they have revealed so far to be part of this program are Watch Dogs 2, Sniper Elite 4, Far Cry 4, uh, Super Lucky's Tale, and UFC 4. Uh, I personally have played Watch Dogs 2, Sniper Elite 4, and Far Cry 4 after the update. I recorded some footage as well. I may end up making kind of a quick comparison video so you can kind of see the performance. And it is a massive upgrade. These games are all running at 60 frames per second locked, and it just completely changes the game, especially for games like Watch Dogs 2 and Far Cry 4, those big open Ubisoft worlds. Having them run at high frame rates like 60 frames per second is a game changer because on the original xbox these games didn't even like hit a solid 30 fps a lot of times with these huge open worlds especially ones from ubisoft and like ones from bethesda for example uh those are typically hovering between like 25 26 27 frames are constantly fluctuating and dropping slightly makes it feel a little bit jaggy don't get me wrong the games are awesome but having that extra performance is a huge incentive to go back and play them and that's exactly what i've been doing i don't know did you get to check out any of these games chance
1: uh, so I tried super lucky's tail with my girlfriend just to show her it for like five minutes and that's about it. <laughs> that and game actually uh, runs at
0: 120 frames per second up from 30,
1: which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like that's pretty crazy. So I probably won't try it again, but it would be super cool and uh, a nice fun, like kid like game or maybe a younger brother get them into that when it comes to all the other games i have not actually i tried far cry 4 i'm lying i did try far cry 4 which was also really good so i might go back and did that go to 60 frames you said hello
0: yep yeah sorry i was on mute there the uh yeah far cry 4 uh and Watch Dogs 2, Sniper Elite 4, and UFC 4. All of those games are bumped up to 60 frames. Uh, Super Lucky's Tale is 120. The So far, at least uh, with these games anyway, the only thing that's changing is the frame rate. Um, the resolution, I, like this is just speculation, but I, I think the resolution changes are more dev dependent, like the developer hacks that actually update the assets in the game for them, because the assets are what they are. Uh, How this technology works in very layman's terms is essentially uh, it tricks the, the system into thinking that it had already rendered a frame and then it will instead render a second frame. So if it's supposed to be 30 frames per second, when it renders that frame... It's waiting that extra second to render the next frame, but it's thinking that it didn't render it, so it renders a second frame instead. And the the power of the Series X is able to kind of compensate where the original Xbox would be not able to hit that frame rate. So that's a very loose, kind of very layman's way to explain it. There's a lot more... Uh, Uh, technicalities in there than just that. But yeah, right now, it's, I think, limited to just increasing the frame rate and the resolutions, I think, are what they are. But there are other AI algorithms that that exist out there that haven't been implemented yet, Uh, probably because there's still issues with them, but they can algorithmically change the resolution and increase texture resolution. So we'll see if that comes down in the future. But right now, it's limited to frame rate.
1: Yeah so a uh, question for you. What is a game you'd like to see boosted in the future pat- or patch?
0: Um, the first thing that comes to my, comes to mind for me is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, for starters, like almost half of the games that are already there are Ubisoft games, so I think that there's a high probability that we could see that. Uh, I love Assassin's Creed. like I have a, like a wall of stat- Assassin's Creed statues uh, in my room right now right next to me. Um, I purchased Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the Gold Edition, so I have all of these, the season pass and all that stuff, all the DLC, which seemed to be pretty awesome. Like one of the DLCs, or two of them, I think it's a two-parter. You end up going to Atlantis, which is like amazing. But uh, I, at that point, like when that game came out, I was uh, I had recently upgraded my computer, so a lot of the games I was playing via Game Pass on my computer were running at 60 frames. And I was just, frankly, sick uh, and tired of 30 frames. And like I said earlier, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, being a big, giant, like, high-res, it's, like, almost 4K, I believe, on 1X. Uh, Ubisoft open-world game, it wasn't even 30 FPS. It was, like, 25-ish, 26, 27. So, like, it was uh, pretty choppy, and really, after playing so many games at higher frame rates on my PC, it was just really hard to commit to playing such a huge open world at 30 frames per second i know that sounds a little snobby um but uh i mean it is what it is like i just was like really really waiting for series x and honestly the last two years before series x i didn't really finish many games on my xbox for that reason so i would love to see assassin's creed odyssey get bumped up uh, to 60 frames per second because I could just go and probably take 100 hours to beat all the content in that game. I have the steelbook. I have everything I need to get going. I just need that update to 60 FPS. What about you? What, what game would you pick?
1: So, for starters, I would like to say Assassin's Creed Odyssey is amazing. I played the mess out that game for a long time, which is weird because I never actually got that much into Valhalla, not as much as I wanted to. So I'm definitely going to have to go back to that. Um, Yeah, me too. Yeah, so uh, the games I want, it's kind of like a wish list kind of thing. I want games like Mortal Kombat 11, uh, Injustice 2, uh, Dragon Ball's Universe 2 to be like, like fighting games like that, to be like 120, which is probably unrealistic, but I mean... I think In Mortal Kombat
0: Super- 11 is updated recently. Oh, I think oh, they so recently pushed it. the update. Uh this wasn't wasn't through this program, but uh it was just from NetherRealm. They like updated the game um when the second or combat pack 2 came out. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. Yeah, so I think that might have been last month maybe or I can't remember. It was relatively recent though, but apparently yeah, it does run at 4K 60 now on uh, Series X.
1: Last time I played Mortal Kombat was like probably in October, so definitely have some catching up to do with that. Did you play the awesome. new
0: campaign? I heard I, I never got to play that yet. I was thinking about buying it honestly just to play that.
1: Um, I would definitely love to. I want to be a huge supporter of uh, Mortal Kombat in general, but I just I just been slacking. I need to get yeah. back into it.
0: Um, Slightly I really off topic.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry, slightly off topic, I just want to give a quick shout out to the absolutely ridiculously amazing Mortal Kombat movie trailer that came out like last week or the week before. Man, it's like, I'm a huge fan of Mortal Kombat, especially the movies. That was like something that me and my cousin when we were kids watched like literally every day. And I expected the movie to be like bad, but I would like it because I love Mortal Kombat. The movie looks amazing, regardless of how much of a Mortal Kombat fan you are. the f- The only concern I have is that the they may have shown like the best moves in the trailer, but if they can keep showing like amazing fight scenes and amazing moves like that, that movie's gonna be fire. I can't wait to see. That's gonna be probably the first movie that I go back to theaters and see uh, since they all shut down due to COVID. I just wanted to shout that out because that trailer is worth watching, even if it has nothing to do with video games. Definitely check that movie trailer out. Hundred percent, loved it.
1: Yeah, did you see that thing I shared? Where uh, I think it was one of the uh, developers who was talking about like how some people don't realize that it's people who make the games and put all their hard work and sweat into making them. And he's saying he spent like five months away from his family creating this uh, this trailer and the movie from Real Combat and like editing it. And the response like put him in tears that uh, they got from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that gets lost on a lot of people. With Movies and video games. Movies, there's probably more distance because a lot of times they're not shot in the country that you live in. So you're away for a long time. But, like, I don't know. Like, what's a game that a lot of people have been shitting on? Like, let's say Fallout 76. So Fallout 76 came out and everybody hated it, right? And there's a lot of things wrong with it. Like, don't get me wrong. But uh, a lot of the things wrong with it are decisions that a few, like... People higher up made, and then there's like hundreds and hundreds of developers that have been working on that for like every single day of their life, more than a average work day every day for like three, four, five years. Halo Infinite, um, that game got shown too early. It definitely needed to get delayed. Like no one's, uh, no one's really questioning that. Like there was issues with what they showed. But at the same time, there's like three, four, five hundred people that work at 343 that spent the last three years of their life, one of those years being through a global pandemic, building that game, like putting their heart, like blood, sweat and tears into it. And then when they think that um, it's finally going to be over and they can go back to some semblance of normalcy, because I guarantee you the last year and a half has been like super crunched, like they're not working eight hour shifts, right? They're working probably like 10, 12 hour shifts on our weekends to get this done. And they think the end is coming and it's going to launch and then it gets delayed for another year. So it's another whole year of the same stuff. Like they, these people work so hard on these things. And I think that, um, a lot of, a lot more respect needs to go, uh, to those developers. When you finish a game, watch the credits, <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. Um, so talk about fall guys. Um, Yes. Fall Guys is coming to Xbox finally.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if you know what Fall Guys is. It actually launched on PS Plus, and it was it's been exclusive to PlayStation uh, ever since. It came out last summer, I believe. It's uh, probably the most interesting take on a Battle Royale you'll ever see. It plays kind of like a, I don't know, 80s game show almost, where you play these little pudgy guys, and you have to run through an obstacle course at the same time as 60 other people. And then if you – like the – the first 30 people to get to the end go to the next round, and there's a bunch of different courses and a bunch of different game modes that will pop up through every round, and last man standing wins. Uh, it's extremely fun. It's hilarious. Like if you, especially if you're playing in a group, uh, it did kind of die off a little bit in terms of its uh, like um, I guess uh, audience on Twitch, if that's a metric that you care about. But uh, I've been playing it on my PS5, and you'll find games instantly. There's definitely a huge community, and it's just going to grow even more because it's also coming to Nintendo Switch. So.
1: Yeah, I've seen a yeah, I've seen some gameplay. A lot, <coughs> some of the YouTubers I watch have played it. It looks pretty fun. Um. Yeah, really entertaining. Yeah, I definitely I recommend
0: know, checking it out.
1: I don't know if you've seen, but it looks like uh, Halo has hinted towards a Battle Royale for the next Halo game, Halo Infinite. I don't know if you've seen yeah.
0: that. Yeah. I mean, that's been rumored for a while. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on that. Like can a battle Royale work in Halo? hundred percent. Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind that you could take the Halo sandbox and create an amazing battle Royale out of that. But my only concern is that um, it will be at the expense of uh, other aspects of Halo. So if they launch Halo and it has an amazing arena multiplayer, an amazing campaign, and an amazing big team battle with lots of maps and a really great sandbox and also a Battle Royale, that's a 10 out of 10 for me. Like, 100% do it. But if they have to kind of maybe, I don't know, like not launch with as many multiplayer maps, maybe add more Forge than, like, than real maps, like, quote, real maps, Forge maps our real mass, but you know what I mean? Or like maybe they don't have big team battle at launch, or maybe the campaign is like 10 hours shorter, five hours shorter, even one hour shorter. Like, you know what I mean? If they have to to take from those core things that everybody expects and what Halo really needs to have to facilitate creating this mode, then I'm a hundred percent against it. But if they can launch with all the stuff we expect and then have this as like the cherry on top, hundred percent down.
1: What I think, if they're going to add Battle Royale, what I think they're going to do is they're going to launch Halo as, you know, we've expected with the campaign multiplayer and Forge, and then Battle Royale might get announced for a later time. I think they might go that route if they're going to do it. The thing is, is that, like, I don't know how long ago it was, um, when we first started, you know, speculating around Halo having Battle Royale, they <coughs> literally quoted the only BR we're interested in is Battle Rifle. We're kind of like, okay, so Halo is not doing Battle Royale, but here we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well. Uh, and I mean, it could very well be that at the time, like when they tweeted that, that there wasn't plans for that. But uh, going back to what you said, like what, it coming later, like as DLC or like as an update. Um, yeah, that makes sense too. If they aren't going to be able to ship everything at once, they definitely need to make sure that the core modes are what launches and that Battle Royale is... The future DLC. They shouldn't make like, they shouldn't launch with Battle Royale and then have like Big Team Battle or Firefight come as DLC, right? Like the core Halo experience needs to be there at launch because they really need to nail this game at launch.
1: And uh, for all those who don't know how they hinted at it, they uh, made a post on, I'm not sure a platform, if it was Twitter or Facebook, pretty much showing a picture of the Halo ring with the ODST drop pods. And then okay. the caption, the caption was, uh, uh, the hottest of drops. And when <laughs> you play battle Royales, you do like, like hot drops is landing. somewhere where there's going to be a large population of players. Right. So that was, that was the tease. But, uh, yeah. It's just speculation at this point.
0: I could be wrong. I could just be like misremembering this, but I think there was like a candy bar, like a baby Butterfinger that had like a contest and like in the terms, they mentioned something about battle royale as well. But I could be completely just one hundred percent wrong on that. I have to double check and look that up.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Bethesda.
0: Bethista. Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs>
1: Bethesda. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: the there is some news surrounding Bethesda actually. Um, as everybody knows. I think in November or like October or something like that, I can't remember when, but in the fall, uh, Microsoft announced their intent to acquire Bethesda. <clears throat> a lot of people like just assume like Microsoft buys Bethesda. like that's kind of the headline, and I don't blame you for assuming that. But if you dig deeper, uh, it actually has to go through a significant amount of uh, regulations across the world, because Bethesda, they have studios in Canada, they have studios in America, they have studios in the UK. So all of the regulatory boards in all those countries have to evaluate and uh, confirm that acquisition before it can just happen, like because of monopoly laws and stuff like that. Anyways, it's all really convoluted. But essentially, what's happening is it's expected to 100% clear uh, in March sometime. And then it will be official and Microsoft will be able to actually talk about it. Because you might also notice that since they announced their, quote, intent to acquire Bethesda, they haven't really talked about it too much outside of that original kind of Zoom call that they had with uh, Pete Hines and uh, and Todd. So what's rumored, uh, and it's been like kind of uh, talked about by some pretty reputable sources is that once that deal is 100% kind of solidified and they own it and they're allowed to talk about it, that they're going to have a kind of showcase, a Bethesda-focused showcase, to kind of talk about the future of Bethesda games, um, maybe some unannounced Bethesda games, and a lot of people are expecting them to kind of... uh, Uh, Chime in on what is and isn't going to be exclusive to Xbox because that's a hot topic for a lot of people Uh, And the rumor is kind of gaining steam as well because like Nintendo last week had their Nintendo Direct yesterday Sony had a, a PlayStation State of Play which is their version of the Nintendo Direct and there's been nothing on the horizon announced so far for like an inside Xbox or some Xbox showcase Uh, And we're going into month two or month three, sorry, of uh, 2021 with with nothing like that from Xbox. So the timing makes sense, both in the sense that they need to have some type of showcase and that that deal is finalizing uh, in that month. And there's reputable sources saying that it's going to happen. So uh, it's looking likely that we could be getting some news there from uh, Microsoft and Bethesda.
1: Fingers crossed. Uh, so when it comes to Bethesda news, like what game are you looking forward to the most coming from Bethesda?
0: Uh, well, the, the one at the top of the list for most people is going to be Starfield. Um, yeah. My take on that, like a lot of people that or at least a lot of things that I've seen re- anyways, is people are saying like, Oh, like Starfield is probably like a 2022 game. The The elder scrolls is probably like 2020 never game. Like that game is so far away. Um, this new Indiana Jones game that they kind of teased, I think last month, that's probably years and years and years away. Like there's nothing down the coming down the pipe, right? Uh, because we haven't heard anything really. But, uh, with Starfield specifically, I'm pretty sure that they revealed that game in 2018 at E3. Uh, typically you don't reveal a game, even if it's a, if it's, even if it's a sequel to like a well-established IP. Uh, especially a brand new IP like Starfield, you don't reveal a game before you start developing it. Like, there's no chance. Even like, like Elder Scrolls, like, it's get like b- before Elder Scrolls was announced, everybody knew that eventually they would make a new Elder Scrolls. Like, they wouldn't just not make one. Before Halo Infinite was announced, you knew that the- Microsoft was going to make another Halo game, right? Um, yeah. But, but even though Microsoft knows that, and we knew that, and Bethesda knows that, etc., they still don't announce them until a lot of things are kind of solidified, right? So <clears throat> they wouldn't just announce Starfield and show us the title and show us the splash screen or whatever if they had done nothing yet to make the game. Typically, you want the game and its kind of direction to be solidified before you announce it because who knows, you may have a massive change in direction you might have a title change etc you want to make sure that things are relatively locked down and for that to happen it has to be relatively far along like at least like say a year or so into development before you announce it so with that logic you would think that in 2018 starfield was probably at the very least between six months and a year into development right we're in 2021 now so that's like three years of development for Starfield. Uh, at, at least three years of development for starfield um the t- average turnaround time for a bethesda game is approximately three years morrowind came out in 2001 oblivion came out in 2005 uh fallout came out in 2008 skyrim came out in 2011 fallout f- uh four came out i believe in 2015 or 14 Around three to four years, right? And then uh, <clears throat> Follow 76 came out in 2017 or 18, I think 18. So, like, three years ish. So, yeah. assuming that's all true, we're right around the time when uh, we can expect, like, I, I personally believe, like, cut to the chase, I personally believe that Starfield is coming out within the next 12 months. So if that's the case, then there's probably a lot of stuff they can show us with that game in terms of trailers and gameplay and demos and stuff like that uh, because at this point we have seen nothing. So I think that's my most anticipated. The other one I'll quickly mention is uh, Machine Games, the people that made all the Wolfenstein games. Wolfenstein, uh, the new Colossus, uh, came out, I believe, in 2017, approximately three-ish, three, four years ago, something like that. Uh, I know there was a, seat, like a kind of expansion to that, uh, Wolfenstein New Blood, but that was actually developed by Arcane. So um, Machine Games has been working on something that we don't know about for at least three years. Um, we know that they are making an Indiana Jones game. So either they and, – and remember what I said earlier, you don't announce a game unless you are pretty well into development and you have a pretty good idea that this, this game is going to come out. It is going to happen. Cause like you don't want to announce a game and then cancel it, obviously. So yeah, if Machine sure. Games hasn't been doing anything for three years that we know of, and then we do know now that they are going to at some point release a Indiana Jones game, then logic points to that Indiana Jones game being what they have been working on for like the last two or three years. So that game also should have be far along enough where there is at least like a trailer or a demo or like some type of gameplay. Uh, showcase that we can expect so those are the two that I'm really looking forward to uh, if this showcase does happen because I think that both those games are closer to launching than people think and uh, at least far along enough where they can have a pretty good showing at a a potential Bethesda Xbox showcase
1: yeah no I agree for sure and maybe it's just me I don't know how many people have my kind of mindset where when it comes to Bethesda. I'm kind of like Elder Scrolls, and everything else is kind of like, like on the side. <laughs> like Elder <laughs> Scrolls is like 99 percent of the reason why I'm a fan.
0: Have you played and Fallout 4?
1: I played Fallout three, four, and uh, I tried. Was it 67? 76, 76. 76. I tried that for like recently, <clears throat> actually, for like a few hours. It wasn't too bad. Not as bad as. Well, of course they've updated it. Yeah, it
0: came a long way for sure.
1: Yeah, so I did play a lot of Fallout games. I do like Fallout a lot. It's just like, like Oblivion, Morrowind, Skyrim. I just, just different feel.
0: Yeah, they so. definitely hit. They definitely hit different. That's for sure. I was in the same boat. I played Fallout Three when it came out, like on 360. Uh, like I bought it day one because I loved Oblivion, and I just couldn't get into like the aesthetic. Everything was like green and brown and. Just didn't feel as awesome as Oblivion did. Uh, however, when this announcement was made last fall, I actually uh, just was like looking at the catalog or whatnot, and I noticed that Fallout Three had actually been Series X in- or One X enhanced, so it was running at four K. Really? So I I did own like I bought it uh, used because it was super cheap uh, a long time ago. The Fallout Three um, Ultimate Edition or whatever that had all the DLC. So I popped that in. I ended up beating the whole game. Uh, it was really, really good. Um, I just, I guess, wasn't in the right mood to play it a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, I beat that entire game. And I'm moving on to New Vegas right now, which is, uh, I haven't gotten too far into it. But what I have played, it actually seems even better than Fallout 3. So I would, if you have time, I would recommend maybe checking them out again. It is a little bit difficult to get past, like, the 30 frames and the low res. And it's it is a 360 game after all. But if you can, it's actually really fun.
1: <clears throat> i probably will try new vegas because that's like a for the follow series that seems to be everyone's like favorite so yeah. i feel like i have to at least try it
0: yeah i got that um, sense as well but yeah hopefully so. that does happen because we've been kind of uh running dry on like xbox like big news uh this year so far so we love to see something else but uh moving on to our last topic i'll let you take this one uh, what is your opinion on the newest season, the newest Legend, the new the new remake of the map, everything involved with uh, Apex Legends Season 8? Because I know you've had a lot of time to to play uh, a ton of it.
1: Yes. And, yeah, that's really all I play for the most part. <laughs> um, I'll put this into three sections. The map, the character, and the new gun. Starting with the map. My opinions haven't really changed that much since the last podcast. It's still, like, the best variation of Kings Canyon so far. Still not a great competitive map compared to World's Edge. World's Edge is just gonna always be the best when it comes to competitive play. Um map still solid though. I'm I, I'm having fun on it. Um when it comes to Fuse, the newest legend, he's actually worse than I thought and he is slowly, slowly becoming the like least used character in the in the meta right now. Dang. Um yeah, so <clears throat> pretty much what makes Fuse not great is just that his abilities are just really lackluster. Like his tactical grenade is just it's just really easy to evade. And like there's just a lot of time to, you know, get out of its range. It's just unless you stick someone with it, it just doesn't provide. Like if you compare it to other tactical abilities, it's just mm-hmm. really it's just really weak. And his ultimate ability is even worse. Like you shoot the ring of fire, which is really cool. And, but like, it's really rare when you get into like a situation where you can actually trap a team and do some damage. Like there's always a way out or you have, they have to be perfectly in like a, like an open field for you to actually get the perfect ring. And it's just really, he's just difficult to use.
0: Yeah. I've seen Um, some, some highlights of some amazing plays with the, with the ring of fire, but uh, they're like in practice, like practically, they're few and far between. It seems, at least in my experience playing him.
1: Yeah, like he, I got shot with one, like like a week ago, and like the ring of fire came down or whatever. I was octane. I didn't have my jump pad, but I was like standing beside a building, and then like like half the fire landed on the roof of the building. So all I had to do was just like wall bounce off the building. I got out of it pretty easily. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, so it's just really situational I guess.
0: Yeah, maybe they should make it so that it starts as a ring of fire and then it just kind of encloses and That's fills the I ring.
1: Or like give him like 3 like shots of it. Right? Like uh, like That would be pretty like strong. That, maybe maybe would... two
0: uh two tactical grenades.
1: Yeah, like just like <clears throat> the amount he can use it I think would make it more relevant for sure. Yeah. And uh the 3030 repeater still a good gun. Um I don't know if it's as overpowered as I initially thought. And honestly, I prefer a wingman over the thirty-three repeater or a triple take. That's kind of where I'm leaning. But it's definitely good if you can hit your shots with it. You can definitely outshoot some people. G seven, I feel like also outperforms it, but that depends on if you can hit your shots or not.
0: Yeah, uh, I uh, I agree with the triple take. Like I, I found that I was constantly getting, uh, like. Out K'd by R three O ones at mid range. Uh at with when I was using the thirty thirty. And at close range, it's just like you're just dead. No matter what. Like they could have anything. Alternator, P twenty twenty, R three oh one, shotguns, uh volts. Like they could have literally any gun in the game and beat you close range when you have a thirty thirty. And then at super long range it gets completely wrecked by a triple take or like a sentinel or you know, any sniper. So I don't know. It feels I don't know. I don't I don't think there's really any situation where there's not several other guns that are significantly better than it at least right now. That's and that's my opinion and I, I don't know. It's also like super unforgiving if you miss a shot. If you're playing against somebody who has an R301 and they miss a couple shots, it's very easy for them to track you back and get back on target without really sacrificing much damage. If you miss a couple shots with the 3030, you're just dead cuz like you need to hit every shot in a row or or you just the time to kill is just so high.
1: I think the way the play is kind of like the Mastiff. You just, like, you take a shot, take cover, poke up, take a shot, take cover kind of thing, which does hinder the TTK of the weapon a lot and gives Mm -hmm. uh, your opponent time to, like, hide or heal or whatever. So, I mean, some people, I've seen streamers use it brilliantly. It just depends. I just don't think it's a gun for everyone. And, yeah, you've made a lot of valid points towards it as well. Cool. And uh, in in conclusion, for Season 8... um. I think it's better than season 6 and season 5 and that's really better. it's kind of like mediocre. It's not you know, it is what it is.
0: But the game is free so you can check it out yourself for free with no really any risks. So I definitely recommend doing that cuz it's still the best battle royale you can play right now in my oh. opinion.
1: Oh yeah, don't get me wrong, it's still like, amazing. Like Everything about the game is amazing and it's free, so why not try it?
0: <laughs> yeah, well we're kind of over time already, so let's get to the main topics. So we can at least talk about Outriders before uh, we have to run. Um, so yeah, the Outriders demo was released yesterday uh, along with a massive outage in Xbox Live, which is not a great combination. Uh, luckily I got to play a lot, I know Chance was kind of hit with that outage, so I don't know if he got to play as much. Uh, but just to start, I'll go over what's included in the demo because it's actually quite a big demo uh, in comparison to what you might expect. Uh, the demo will give you access to the game's prologue and opening chapter, uh, which upon completion opens up uh, some more side content, side quests that you're able to complete. You'll be able to play as all four cl- all four classes up to the cap of level seven, by which point you will have unlocked four abilities within that class and two skill points to use in like the really, really huge skill trees that they have in this game. Uh, the crafting system however won't be part of the demo but you will be able to progress up to world tier 5 in terms of difficulty. The higher you go in world tier the better your loot drops will be and something that's really important to know is everything that you do in the demo will actually carry over to the main game. so uh, you're not playing for nothing when the new game when the game actually drops, uh, you'll start at wherever your demo character is in terms of level and gear and, and whatnot. Uh, the stash is also disabled in the demo. Um, so if you do have guns or gear on one character that you want to move to another, you won't be able to do that until uh, the full game launches. But when that does happen, all the gear spread across your demo characters, you'll be able to consolidate into one place, which is pretty cool. Um, so I know you didn't get to play as much as me, Chance, but how much did you get to play of the demo?
1: Uh, I probably put in, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, I'd say, maybe two hours. I played played for a bit last night and i played again this morning for a little while so i definitely got enough time in where i can uh i can have an opinion
0: what class did uh, you pick
1: i picked technomancer i think is what it's called and, okay uh, cool based on what i can tell you kind of form you can control these elements like ice is the biggest one and you can use it to forge gadgets so like you can make like a turret and the turret shoots out like, these ice blasts that freeze and damage enemies, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's pretty cool. Did
0: oh, you get the pain whatever. launcher?
1: <clears throat> um, that's the missile. Yeah. Ability. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. Like, they're, they're, I've liked them all so far, they're really interesting. The pain launcher is. Yeah, it slaps. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah.
0: yeah so there's like i actually got to play uh, a lot more like i said i wasn't locked out of xbox live Um, i made all four classes i played uh, all four classes through to the um, point in the demo where you get to kind of the hub city or like the tower uh, for lack of a better term Um, but the technomancer is the class that i actually took throughout the whole demo i played every mission every side mission and got every collectible like i did everything that you could with the technomancer i plan on doing that with all four classes so that i can make a, a more informed decision when the main game comes out because uh yeah i think that this game has a lot of potential um i'm going to start off by talking about a lot of the stuff that i liked because there is a lot um the setting's really really cool uh the aesthetics, really really cool the art is really really cool like there's a You don't see it as much in the demo, but if you watch any of the trailers that show kind of the Elder game stuff, there is a lot of really, really cool gear, really, really cool-looking weapons. Like, one of my main problems with The Division, which is a game I played a lot, and I'm not trying to, like, talk down to that game because it's fantastic, but because it is in the Tom Clancy universe, it's grounded in reality. So when you get an exotic weapon, something that's, like, super rare and awesome, it's still just, like, an M16 just maybe a different color, you know what I mean? Um, whereas, like, in Destiny, you can get, like, a Galahorn, or, like, I don't know, like, a Obsidian Aspect helmet or, like, like a Helm of Inmost Light that has, light, like, fire shooting out of it, you know what I mean? So, in Outriders, doesn't have that issue. The gear looks fantastic. But the main thing that I think is what sets it apart from something like Destiny is the RPG elements. Um... The demo only lets you go up to like level I think seven, so you're really really like low into the game. You're not. There shouldn't be a lot of crazy options for customization, but just with the blue gear that I was able to get, I have like an actual build uh, that actually has a purpose, and I have mods that are basically the equivalent of what you would expect an exotic effect to be in Destiny. So just a quick kind of overview of my character. Uh, I don't. You probably didn't get this ability yet in the Technomancer. It's the last one you unlock in the demo. But there's a, a ability called Blight Rounds, which will turn your bullets into kind of like poison bullets. And anytime you hit an enemy with the poison bullet, then they'll start taking like damage over time, like poison damage, right? I have a mod that I put in my assault rifle that makes. The damage you deal with it like hit in a small AoE around your enemies and because it's hitting an AoE and it has the poison uh, rounds, that poison then will spread in an AoE and then my boots actually have a, a mod in them that makes it so that the poison rounds last for two magazines and I have an LMG that has hundred bullets per magazine, so that's 200 poison bullets, and my chest piece has a mod in it that makes it so if uh, an enemy, do- like as soon as your poison uh, bullets run out, so as soon as I shoot two clips worth of uh, poison bullets, all of the damage that the poison did, is 40% of that is is uh, given as healing to me and all of my teammates. So that's all just basic blue gear, And it has all these effects that tie specifically into my abilities, which then I can then further alter and further improve by using the huge skill trees that exist in the game to make them do even more things and become even better. I can keep following that path down and make a really interesting build, and that's just one way to play one of the four classes in the game. So there's a ton of room there for um, building characters and coming into different builds, and it's very easy to respec too. So if you get like a, an exotic weapon that really has a really awesome effect, a really awesome mod, you can reset your skill tree and completely change your character on the fly, which is really, really cool.
1: That does sound pretty interesting, especially just being a level 7 with blue armor. Uh, I'm not at that point yet, but I do plan on getting there and, you know, creating my own build and then i'm also i do want to try out the other characters and the greatest part is that the demo is like it's it's not going anywhere right it's gonna
0: <laughs> like even
1: when the full game comes out the demo will still be able to uh, be downloaded and played and so you can try out the game without buying it so i have plenty of time to do that uh question for you i don't know if you know this or not but when the full game does launch do you know if you'll continue from where you left off in the demo or you'll reset okay
0: yeah yeah your progress is 100 percent carried over um with all the characters you can make in the demo you can make four i think one for every class and what's really cool is there's like a you know that tutorial part that you did where like you first spawn in the planet a bunch of stuff happens and then you get to the point where you choose a class yeah it's like an. It's like probably like thirty minutes to an hour of stuff you have to do and cutscenes and and stuff.
1: Mm.
0: When you make a second character, you can actually just choose your class and skip that part, so you don't have to constantly replay it. That's how I was able to kind of get all four characters made in one night yeah, uh, and check them out. Like yeah, some like. other stuff I like that I think uh, sets it apart as well is when you do talk to NPCs and stuff like that. You. Uh, Uh, are able to choose like different dialogue options and have conversations that kind of reveal more of the game setting, which is really, really cool. The world tiers work really well in terms of ramping up the difficulty and the challenge. Uh, So if you, like, I've seen some people saying that I had to turn the world difficulty down because it's too hard, Uh, so I was still able to just turn it down and have fun playing at whatever I feel comfortable with. Uh, But then like someone like me, I can go in and play at world tier 5, And because my build was actually working really, really well, uh, I was able to just solo World Tier 5 at level 7 pretty easily because of just how powerful my gear worked together. Uh, So having that flexibility is really, really cool. Because like, for example, I'm going to bring this up a lot in Destiny. When you play the campaign, it's just there's no difficulty. I think after you beat it, you might be able to play certain missions on heroic. I don't know if they even still do that anymore. But uh, when you play through the first time, it's very easy. It's very hard to die it's just like mindless almost whereas this if you choose to you can up the difficulty and also up the rewards which is a really awesome mechanic and I think it goes all the way up to like world tier like 15 or something it goes really high
1: yeah so there's obviously a lot of things they're doing right but uh, what do you think they could improve on
0: uh yeah so there's some things I noticed like one thing that you'll notice right away is the cutscenes I believe are actually running at 30 frames per second for some reason even though the game's at 60. So the cutscenes are very janky, uh, or they feel janky because of that. Um, there's also a lot of kind of rough edges I found. Um, like, for example, uh, like I had a quest where I had to uh, go into this cave, and when I accept the quest, I have to load into the area where the cave is, so there's a load screen, and I have to walk through this bridge that I can't walk across because the bridge is a load screen. And then when you go to uh, enter the area where the quest is like the other side of the broken bridge, it loads into a cutscene in and 30 frames per second where your character jumps across the bridge and then it loads again into the actual area you're supposed to be. And then you go on with the quest. So that's like four loading screens just to get to the start of the quest, which isn't ideal. Um, I, I, I hope there's a way that they can kind of smooth that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, oh, I also found some issues with the cover system., uh, there's a bunch of times where I was trying to cover I was matching a and just wasn't working. Um, which is was frustrating. There's nothing like I think the core of the game is is very good. I just I'm hoping that the demo build is like an older build and a lot of that stuff's going to get fixed because it is coming out really soon. I think it's like end of March. So hopefully they can get that polished up because the core of the game I think is very, very appealing. What about you? Did you notice anything that kind of stood out to you as being something they could improve?
1: The great thing about everything you said is stuff that they could, you know, easily work on or fix. There were some bugs, I guess, i seen. Like, um, there's a few times where I tried to throw a grenade. It was just the animation of the character was a little bugged.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too. The grenades were very floaty.
1: Yeah. So other than that, I don't really have much complaints, although I haven't played it as much as you have, so I haven't had the opportunity to see as much. And uh, I'll probably, like I said, I'll play it a bit more and I can form a better opinion. But so far, the way I compared it, it was like a division mashed with Destiny is the impression I got.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think they, well, just based off of the demo, um they're doing a great job with it overall but other than the stuff you said i don't really have many other complaints or anything else to say
0: yeah i should say too uh, i've only played uh solo i I never got to play in co-op yet so i don't know how that works maybe there's issues that i haven't uh experienced yet so i'll report back on that when we finally are able to play together uh one thing i quickly wanted to talk about because i am running out of time here um there is an awesome video that the developers release that kind of explains the end game um, because the one thing about Outriders uh, is that it's not a game as a service where you're getting a chunk of the game and then you have to wait for the rest of it to come in patches like you may have experienced in other games um, the game is actually launching with a 35-ish hour campaign, so right then and there is amazing, and that's a fully drop-in drop-out co-op uh, with several different world tiers that you can play at your discretion to get more or less rewards at higher or lower difficulties but when you finish the game, they have this these modes called uh, expeditions where there's 14 expeditions, which are essentially strikes uh, that you can play at higher levels to get more and more gear. When you complete all 14 of those strikes or expeditions, then it launches a new mode that they have been very vague on called the Eye of the Storm, which they need to be careful because <clears throat> a lot of people are assuming that that's a raid and they haven't confirmed that it's a raid. And I know that other games, like Anthem, for example, had kind of uh, let the community think that the, um, uh, what did they call it, the Something Storm, a new mode that they were bringing out, they kind of let the community think that it was a raid when it wasn't. And then when it came out and wasn't a raid, it really looked bad for them. So hopefully they have some kind of raid-like content because the raid in Destiny is kind of what makes it stand on the mantle of being like the best, uh, like, I guess, looter shooter, for lack of a better term. Uh, those modes are incredible, and hopefully there's something like that with uh, with Outriders. But it does uh, look really awesome, the fact that the campaign is so long and so meaty. There's lots of dialogue and choice for conversation to build the world. There's lots of interesting ways that you can build the characters. The four different classes are very unique and have huge skill trees. With I think they said there's like uh, 160-something different mods that all interact with the different characters like there's character specific mods and then there's generic mods and they all work together to create like hundreds of different types of builds so it's going to be really interesting to see how that works along with legendaries and stuff like that so yeah i'm just really really looking forward to this when it comes out i'm looking forward to play more of the demo and experience more of the classes and finally the last thing i wanted to talk about in regards to outriders is kind of the elephant in the room and that is how it compares to destiny i know i've kind of mentioned destiny a little bit already But I wanted to take a a little bit of this segment just to strictly compare them because, I mean, even though it is slightly or somewhat of a different game, uh, you can tell that they're definitely going in a slightly different uh, direction than Destiny. But uh, they are both sci-fi looter shooters, so they are inevitably going to be constantly compared to one another. Myself and both me and Chance have have probably, I, I personally have over a thousand hours in Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, I'm sure. Chances close if not more like we've played a ton of destiny So I think that we are pretty well versed in that game and I think that it uh, we are able to kind of give you some uh, uh, Comparisons that make sense Um, Like we're in the same clan. We've done all the the raids together at least uh, Most of all the raids in destiny 1 and most of the raids in destiny 2 Uh, We've seen all the content except for the stuff that's happened in the last few years or last year or so for me so we have a good idea uh, of Destiny and how it works and everything that is involved with that. And we have also played this demo so we can kind of uh, – we have a basis basically for a comparison. with I've been kind of uh, rambling here. But anyways, let's jump into it. So, uh,
1: go
0: ahead. Oh, yeah. I was going to say first huge difference is – the Outriders is strictly a PvE game. There's no PvP element, at least at launch, at least right now. They, I believe they've even stated that they don't have plans for that, at least in the in the near future. So uh, that's a huge change, obviously. Destiny has a pretty big PvP community around Trials and around the Crucible. Um, I mean, if you're a PvP player, that's obviously like <laughs> really bad. But if you're a PvE player or if you're okay with there not being a PvP mode, uh, there is actually some some pretty good benefits that you can get from that. Uh, the biggest one being that Bungie doesn't have to or should <laughs> Bungie people can fly the developers of outriders they don't have to balance PVE uh, in a way that won't break PvP. So they're able to go completely crazy with the abilities which even early on in the demo you' you can tell they are. Uh, the abilities are all extremely overpowered, uh, but they don't have to worry about that breaking PvP because there is no PvP. Uh,
1: that was the point I was actually going to make um, with it only being PvE. They don't have to worry about any of that, which is definitely a great benefit. Obviously, having that competitive nature, or not having that, I should say, um, definitely going to affect some people, but I think if you're really into the you know looter-shooter kind of games, it's not really... It's not really that big of a drawback, at least for me anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And honestly, there is still ways that you can compete um, kind of passively with people. Like, again, if you watch the endgame video, they talk about those expeditions and the expeditions, um, the faster you complete them because they are timed, uh, you actually can gain more and more rewards. Uh, and the faster you complete it is going to be completely based on what modifiers are on, what types of enemies are in that particular um, expedition, and what your build and team composition is. So theory crafting, creating awesome builds or effective builds and effective team compositions will lead to faster completion times. And if they can kind of have those in a leaderboard, then that's a, a way where you can kind of compete in a PvE setting. So it's not completely uncompetitive, but there is no like way to actually shoot and kill other players. Um, so take that for what it is. I don't think PvP needs to be in every game. I wouldn't want... Uh, Bungie to necessarily remove PvP from Destiny, I'm happy it's there, but that doesn't necessarily mean for me anyway that um, Outriders is dead on arrival because there is no PvP, so take that for what you will, but that is probably at the onset the biggest difference between the two. One also difference that I noticed uh, with the gameplay in particular is that in Outriders, uh, your abilities are on a cooldown, just like uh, Destiny, but in Destiny your abilities are your class ability this is destiny 2 which is relatively minor like the titan wall the warlock rift and the and the the hunter uh, dodge like you definitely use them but they're not like completely changing game the game right they're kind of like uh like a utility uh ability and then you have your grenade which everyone has a grenade and the grenades just do something slightly different whether it's like an AOE or a sticky grenade or a grenade that has a damage over time that it leaves, but they're all still grenades. And then you have your super, which obviously is what separates the classes. But the main focus is on your guns. Like a, like a Titan that has the same gun as a Hunter is going to play a very similar way to that Hunter. Whereas in uh, Outriders, your your gameplay is kind of ability first gun second the guns are cool they have awesome mods you can get legendaries and stuff that guns that do different things there's different types of guns all the things you'd expect like snipers smgs shotguns lmgs ars etc but what your main focus is is constantly using your abilities as much as you can you have two main abilities that are on a left bumper and right bumper that are very impactful and then you have an ultimate which is even more impactful so it's way more focused on using your abilities and way less focus on shooting which and you can chime in on this if you've experienced this as well chance but i noticed that the shooting like the actual like how the shooting feels it's not bad by any any stretch of the imagination it's, it's actually quite good but it definitely doesn't feel as good of a shoot, as a shooter specifically talking about guns here, as Destiny. However, the abilities feel really, really fun to use.
1: Well, I feel like like with Destiny, especially <coughs> since they got the 60 frames and then 120 competitively, um, it's more weapon-based, and uh, I feel like this game, in comparison, is going to be a little more ability-based, because, like you said, they don't need to really worry about, you know... Uh, balancing and like obviously your weapons armor going to make a huge difference as well but with destiny it's kind of like you know you have your cooldowns but the cooldowns i feel like take a lot longer especially for your alt you kind of use it once per battle and that's really it and this this game seems like you can spam your abilities a lot more exactly And and then yeah the shooting like i agree the shooting is better in destiny in my opinion um but it still feels really good in this game like i was just talking about uh before when you snipe someone in this game and you explode their face it's super satisfying <laughs> you don't really get yeah. that in destiny as much yeah but, uh, it, go ahead
0: yeah you know, i was just gonna say like when i talk about the guns like not meaning as much in this i don't i don't mean like as a whole the guns Okay, so in the, the the abilities that you have in Destiny. This might be a good way to explain it. The bi- abilities that you have in Destiny are usually kind of in like uh, the basis of how you would use your weapons. If that makes sense. So like if you are playing like say a Defender Titan, right, and you have the bubble, right, you're probably going to want to have a great shotgun because uh, the shotgun's going to be how you do the damage, and the bubble is going to be kind of amplifying. The effectiveness of your shotgun that's kind of how destiny works uh very loosely there is differences and stuff like that but a lot of the abilities kind of help the way that you kill things with guns um for like in a very broad statement basically and then in outriders your weapons are what kind of empowers your abilities so it's like the flip side of that like i talked about in my build earlier um with my technomancer i have the playgrounds and so the playgrounds is what the focus is and the gun like the it being a lmg with lots of ammo and it having the perk that makes it so that the playgrounds uh can last through two clips the gun is what empowers my playgrounds the ability casting the spell and doing damage with my ability is the main thing that i'm interested in the guns is just kind of a means to make that more effective whereas in destiny your abilities typically and your gear typically are means to get your make your gunplay more effective. So it's kind of the flip side. If you are a huge huge fan of having really crisp tight like shooting mechanics and your abilities are kind of just icing on the cake, then Destiny might be more for you, but if you want to kind of spam your abilities more and have your abilities get stronger based on your gear, not the other way around, then Outriders is is definitely what you're looking for it's a lot more like diablo in that respect or or typical kind of rpgs where you're, you're it's more about spanning abilities and stuff like that
1: yeah uh yeah i definitely agree with you there um another comparison i just wanted to make was uh and this is something i think outriders is doing excellent with is the skill tree in comparison mm-hmm. Destiny's skill tree is very short <laughs> I feel like the game would be tremendously better if they extended the skill tree because you have three different classes and each class has, like, several different elementals. Yeah, four uh,
0: subclasses, I think.
1: Yeah. So, like, if they expanded on the abilities and maybe the things you can upgrade with in some regard, or even if they did it from launch, I think it could have been a lot better because it's kind of like you unlock, like, three different grenades and then you unlock, like three different melee attacks and like that's kind of it just curious where your thoughts are
0: yeah so in destiny like like chance was talking about like if you have played destiny you know this there's three subclasses titan warlock hunter and as of recently it used to be three subclasses for each main class now there's a, a fourth stasis one that you unlock through beyond light um <clears throat> but when you pick a class you basically also choose a collection of uh I guess uh like it's like the skill tree is you basically have like three choices uh per class like per per subclass um which is kind of a grouping of uh, like different passives and different enhancements that kind of change it slightly like for example uh if you pick a defender titan you can choose the node that lets you throw two of your shield instead of one and has a couple other little perks like the uh, sprint charge attack and stuff like that. Or you could choose the other tree, which gives you a bubble shield and it's more defensive or the barrier shield like they're like they do definitely change the class and they'll change how you play. um, But you're making like three or four different choices, potential choices, right? In And then your gear obviously piles on top of that and stuff like that, whatever. But in Outriders, like you choose your class. So not only is there four classes instead of three, which like exponentially uh, adds more variety to the game. But when you choose your class, you have this like extremely long skill tree, which you can't actually fill out completely. It branches off into three different paths and you can pick and choose every single node. And there's like over a hundred nodes, I think, That will either add a mutator to an existing ability it will buff uh, a certain thing like it might buff sniper damage it might buff rocket damage it might make this ability have two cooldowns it might make this ability last longer or do more damage or maybe this type of ammo like there's all kinds of different ways that you can customize your character and as you level up and get these skill points you're constantly finding different a different path down those three trees and those trees have connection nodes where some of the nodes you can get can you might go like maybe 10 nodes down path a and then you can like uh invest a skill point into a connector node that will give you kind of a power that blends both paths together a little bit and then you can continue upgrading path b after spending the first half of your nodes on path a it's probably difficult to picture that with me explaining it and not being able to see it but the point is is there is like a significantly more intricate and a more diverse way to customize your character and because of how impactful the mods are like i, I talked about earlier i have blue mods not not purple not legendary like there's definitely better things that I can get down the road. But even just with my blue mods, I was able to create a full-fledged build that was like very effective, and uh, that's only with two skill points. So in the game, in, in, in the, the demo, sorry, you're only able to invest two skill points because you can only get to level 7. In the full game, you're going to be able to, I think it's 50. So <clears throat> you, there's tons of room there for lots of diverse characters, and not every single character is going to be a... Uh, titan that throws two shields or a hunter that can get precision damage with their golden gun like there's so many different ways that you can create your character and that is what's going to power the end game because those 14 expeditions and that uh that final mode that they haven't talked about that's the different types of enemies and the different types of encounters that you can experience in those they're going to require different builds and different comps and stuff like that so Adding all that customization is going to be really important was honestly in destiny Like yes, there are certain builds that are more effective than others But in 99 of the content you can just take whatever your most powerful weapon is and complete it You don't really have to worry about your build. like Since the mods kind of got remade in destiny 2 or like updated I most of the time because i'm like i i'm a little bit behind the curve in destiny i've been spending a lot of my time When I play leveling, I haven't even been using mods. I don't even know what my mods are because they're really not that important unless you're playing like the top 1% of content. Uh, Whereas in this game, it makes a huge difference. Even at level 7, playing at World Tier 5, I probably wouldn't be able to solo the content uh, at that level without having an effective build like I was able to create. So huge, huge difference there in the character building, the RPG-ness, and customizing your character and, and, and your build and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I know the you know PVP player versus player competitive side of Destiny definitely has an effect on what they can do for the skill trees and uh, the RPG aspect. Like when it comes to uh, you know the environment you're playing in.
0: Yeah, and- exactly. They can they can just make everything overpowered <laughs> because it doesn't like the NPCs aren't going to complain that you just summoned a rocket launcher as a technomancer and blew them up right they're yeah, not gonna exactly. go on the forums and cry about that so <laughs> like they don't they can just make it as crazy as they want
1: yeah and i mean like we talked about there's you know gives and takes to having the pvp with it so i'm not mad at you know destiny having that and not being able to do everything they possibly could for pve but they're like it's, it's working what they're doing like i'm not I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining about Destiny mechanics or anything. It's just like comparing the two games. I rather have a PVE-based RPG than not, just because the abilities you can do will be a lot more significant. And that's mm-hmm. just my own opinion. So yeah,
0: and one thing I kind of want to make clear too, because it kind of sounds like we're like bashing Destiny and praising this. Uh, we're comparing probably the most popular it's definitely the most popular new ip that came out of last gen it's one it's the most popular looter shooter ever um it's technically it's it's significantly a better game right now than outriders because we're talking about a demo right we're comparing a demo to destiny so i don't want it to appear like we're just bashing destiny everything that we're talking to you about in outriders is 100 just potential we didn't play the full game yet we don't know what it's going to be like so we're just talking about what we've seen in the demo and what we think that could lead to in the full game and like Outriders potential versus current destiny right now as it stands Destiny's clearly the better game because it's actually oh and you can play it Right, so I don't want to everyone to think especially destiny fans I think that we're just completely bashing destiny because from what I understand destiny is in like one of the best places It's been in, in a long time. They released a new blog post that didn't quite make the cut for the news today uh, That really shapes the future of the game in a very good way and a lot of people are very excited about that So I don't want it to come off like I hate destiny. I love destiny at, like I said, 2,000 plus hours combined in Destiny 1 and 2. Like, I don't, um, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to compare the two because I think it's an interesting comparison. And I think it's a comparison that most people that are interested in either game will make.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Is there any other uh, comparisons
0: you uh, want yeah, to Yeah, there's two more things I wanted to talk about. Uh, and they're a little bit interconnected. Uh, and that is like kind of uh, combat in both games and like your role in combat. In Destiny, there's definitely like specifically in raids, there's mechanics that a certain subclass might be better at than another, but there isn't really like a specific role that you would need to fulfill, uh, other than just doing the most DPS to the like as you can and making sure that you can execute the mechanics that all classes can execute, um, et cetera. Which is good in a sense that you like you're not gonna feel excluded because uh, like the party you're trying to join doesn't need another player that's doing. What your character does in terms of its role, but it's also bad in the sense that uh, it it kind of removes some of the diversity in combat. And what outriders kind of seems to be doing is they have a little bit more defined combat roles. Uh, I talked a lot about the talent trees and the mods and stuff like that. Um, the three paths that are in the, the tech trees uh, they seem to gear towards like a support role or a tanking role or a um, damage role. Um, In the game and a lot of the uh, elite mobs and bosses and stuff like that have abilities that need to be interrupted and they have like you can have characters that are very, very tanky and can take a lot of pain and might need to take the aggro of the boss like like the devastator class, for example, uses the earth elementals abilities to kind of get like stone form skin to become like super powered armor or to have like super powered armor so it can take a lot more damage so there may be a scenario where you need a devastator to kind of armor up and become extremely tanky to take the aggro away from the technomancer who's in the back lines picking off the ads meanwhile you have like a um i forget the name of it the uh, pyromancer uh they can heal enemies a lot with their their uh flame damage so you may have a pyromancer that has to keep the tank alive and make sure that the tank's constantly being healed so there's like different roles and different uh like scenarios that you have to uh kind of account for uh a little bit in the demo keep in mind the demo is like very low level stuff which if they can expand on that in like higher world tiers and maybe in the end game content i think that that would be really interesting to have those different combat roles because even early on in like the uh, the elites that you fight in the boss battles like there's an elite in the game in one of the missions i can't remember which one where he has a, a pretty pretty large health pool where you're not going to be able to burst him down you're gonna have to like reload a few times but he also has a spell that he can cast that will heal him to complete full health. So, if you just sit there and just keep pumping bullets into him like you would a Destiny Elite mob, you will never kill him. And eventually, the adds will keep spawning and you'll die, right? Um, but what you have to do is when you see him casting that heal spell, you have to cast a spell of your own that will interrupt that heal. So, there's kind of that that in and of itself is a mechanic that doesn't exist. In all of Destiny, until you get to raids, where they start introducing more complex mechanics. Pretty much anything else up to that point, uh, in terms of elite mobs, I'm not talking about strike bosses because some of the newer ones have some minor mechanics. But all elite mobs that you can fight in the game, up to raids, they're just you just shoot them as much as you can until they die, basically. So the fact that you have that type of mechanics in like level two of the game. Uh, really bodes well for what could potentially come in the future, and that's fighting one. Imagine having like three or four of those elites at the same time, like then it yeah. starts to get really, really interesting, right?
1: Yeah, actually, you're the point you made. Um, actually, made me think of a time where uh, when we were fighting the first raid boss in Destiny, I forget his name. Which uh, in
0: Destiny one?
1: Destiny two. Callus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The guy that's in that gold palace place. Yeah, Calista. Yeah. So I remember Leviathan like, raid. When, yeah, when you play Destiny and do raid, you're you know you have six players, and I remember uh, two of us were warlocks, me and Kane, and just because of the situation you're in and how you face the boss, there's only one real effective way to play a warlock, and that was the Void class. You can they're ultimately throw a nova bomb and it does chip damage after explodes and then you put like a power rift that increases everyone's damage that was the only way to really play the warlock effectively so me and kane both had to play the exact same role so your point to this game where it seems like they have a lot you have a lot more options and a lot more roles you can play in different scenarios i think is going to be pretty huge for the future of the game and how you play and feeling like you're you know you're you're playing a role in the fight that's significant yeah and uh yeah that's that was really that that's what I was thinking of when you're talking about that just like examples like that
0: yeah and like that uh in it, like that aspect of destiny where like the warlock can throw a Nova bomb and do damage over time while it's able to do other stuff so the boss is constantly taking damage and then it can make the rift that's gonna empower all your teammates damage like that stuff is really cool. Um, I think that's like something that Destiny needs to do more because I don't think stuff like that is as important anymore, um, at least from what I've played, especially when you're outside of the raid in like strike content. Um, but the fact that there's just more variety in Outriders means that the potential for more of those different roles to like come up is higher. So they have to execute on that potential. Like, don't get me wrong, but they have the they're set up to be able to do that, which is like really really cool. One thing I'll also say too is, uh, if you are someone who like know life's destiny or like outriders, for example, once you do get to the point where you do everything, because it's not infinite content, right? Like you'll get to a point where you're max level in your character. Blah blah blah. In Destiny, you would re-roll a hunter or a warlock, and I mean it's fun to level a character it lets you kind of do the um the weekly content uh more than once so you're kind of still getting rewarded for playing uh, even after you've kind of completed everything for the week but because the emphasis of the gameplay revolves like heavily around the weapons and you're just transferring the same weapons the same like awesome weapons you have on your titan you'll transfer to your hunter or your warlock and then you'll play through on that character the you do have a new super and a new tactical, mind you, but because the gun is the focus, the experience feels very similar. Whereas in Outriders, if you level a devastator up to max level and you play a tank or whatnot and you build it in a tanky way and you're using tank weapons like a shotgun or an LMG or something like that to design to hold aggro and your whole p- Focus is to get, like, lots of armor, lots of health, etc. And then your alt character is a trickster who is focused on speed and teleporting and, and, like, burst damage that might use a sniper and a different weapon. You know what I mean? Your yeah. gameplay experience on your alt character, something that you, you're you going to want to do if you run out of things to do on your main, is going to be a lot more varied, and it's going to be a lot more fun to, to replay some content on a different character. So yeah, that's another agree. benefit that... that that you might see in Outriders.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Well, uh, that's all I have to say about Outriders. I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to, uh, to talk about,
1: um, download the demo and play it.
0: Yeah. If you need a partner, hit me up on Twitter, gamertag motion, man. I'm going to try, like I said, I'm going to try to level up all four classes. So I can definitely hop in and and carry (laughs) or get carried either way.
1: Oh, yeah, my uh, gamer tag is Kawhi Zero. Um, most people probably are not going to know how to spell that, but I'll... Uh,
0: I can put it in note. the show notes.
1: Yeah. And And, cool. uh, yeah, just uh, send a message or an invite, and I'm definitely down to link up. Like I said, I haven't done co-op yet, so definitely want to do that.
0: Cool. Well, we're closing in on well over an hour. I think we're closing in on an hour and a half, so let's uh, let's wrap this up quickly with a quick Game Pass of the Month recommendation, Game Pass Game of the Month uh or of the podcast i guess i'll start my recommendation is uh, a plague tale innocence um it is kind of like an evolution of like a life is strange or walking dead where it's more of a narrative focused game but there is some really cool uh stealth elements and there is some light combat as well some some light boss fights and stuff like that you basically play as a girl who's trying to get her brother who's sick uh to a doctor during like um the plague ages like the ages of the black plague in france so it's like in a medieval setting but there is a lot of mythical kind of magical stuff happening that i won't get too far into because it's a little spoilery but the atmosphere the graphics the story the characters uh and the music especially is like top top notch uh it's a fantastic game and it's a definitely a must play in game pass if you're into something that's very gripping and has a very good atmosphere uh and is free in game pass
1: I've actually seen that game a few times over the past several months, and I always like, uh, should I try it? So I was like, uh I'll try it at some point. So I'm glad you kind of recommend that because that's like alright, so it's definitely worth trying. I'm not gonna yeah. waste my time. It
0: is relatively short too, so it's not something you have to invest a whole ton of time in to get have a good experience with.
1: Nice. Um, my game pass recommendation is called Manometen. Um Well the Dark Pictures Mana It's pretty much this uh Decision-based narrative horror game. So, like you and it, you can play up to like five or six different people can play, and you choose a character. And the whole point of the game is uh, you play through this kind of like this movie narrative, but you you know make choices, and the decisions you make heavily affect the outcome. And like you can get your character killed, or you can get other player characters killed. And it's just a really it's a really fun game. I would recommend playing it with, with a few friends. But uh, yeah, that's definitely my recommendation if you haven't heard of it.
0: Yeah, I played through that game in uh, in co-op, which was really fun. Uh, but there's also like a movie night mode. Uh, like co-op obviously is two players, but movie night mode, uh, I think it's five players. I could be wrong, but it's uh, they the story plays out in a way where everybody gets to kind of choose what happens or like choose character, like choose decisions and then see the outcomes of what happened. Uh, it's from the people that made uh, Until Dawn on PlayStation, so if you played that, it's very similar to that. Um, and the Dark Pictures is kind of like the overarching narrative. The plan is is like they're going to release a bunch of games under that umbrella. So the first one was Man and Medan, like uh, like like Chances recommending, but then there's uh, Little Hope, which came out I think last Halloween, which is a is completely different characters, completely different stories. But it happens under the umbrella of dark pictures. So like when you start the game, there's like this character called the curator who uh, kind of is the one kind of telling you the story. And like you don't know like who he is or if you can trust him or not. But like he's kind of the person who is like explaining the events that are happening. And then as he's explaining them, you're playing them. So there's this interesting kind of meta story that's happening. Uh, with that there's another one that's announced as well that's coming this year I can't remember the name of it uh, but yeah it's definitely a really interesting series
1: Yep, yeah, and that's, that's all I really have to say
0: cool and that's all that I have as well uh, thank you so much for listening if you made it this far uh, when, when I started recording this podcast uh, today I told chance I, I like to keep it like around 30 minutes 45 minutes and I think we're at an hour and a half right now so uh, rip to that plan <laughs> But if you did make it this far, thank you so much for listening. I just want to quickly shout out the uh, uh, Extra Life fundraising campaign that I'm doing. Uh, again, it will be in the show notes. Uh, please check that out or sh- if you have any time or share it or whatever you can do to help would be great. Uh, it's a really good cause that goes to helping a lot of sick kids in my area. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks again. Thank you so much and uh, I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good one.
0: See you later.